Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. We've been talking about water usage in BC in the last week, and I, I feel like it's become even more important in light of what we're learning about what happened in Maui with the devastating fire there. I mean, firefighters trying to fight the fire tapped fire hydrants only to find there was no water because they've been rapidly depleting the available groundwater and they weren't keeping track or keeping up with new sources of water. They had just recently started work on drilling for new ground wells, but they were pretty far behind and it didn't do them any good. Here in our province, you know, we've still got resistance to business licensing for our water, even though we have been in the process of legally updating the Water Act for, what, 10 years now? The reason why we even started the whole process is because of concerns and anger over big multinational companies paying next to nothing to come in, bottle our water, and then sell it all over the world. And that is still going on because we do charge low rates for water extraction, and we're still not doing a good enough job of monitoring the amount of water being taken. So we wanted to kind of drill down into the law on this. How do we protect our water supply, our water sheds? What are the legal ways of doing that? Well, Deborah Kern is a professor and executive Executive Director of the Environmental Law Center at the University of Victoria and joins us now. Deborah, we're going to get Deborah back in just a moment. We had her and then she was gone, but we have so many questions to talk about uh, when it comes to this water supply issue. And I know for a fact that this gets a lot of you worked up too, right? Because it is that very simple idea of why are we letting these big companies come in, companies like Nestle, everybody always uses that example, coming in, paying a nominal fee, and then taking huge amounts of our water, bottling it, and selling it for huge profits. That's one of the things we're going to ask Deborah about, who joins us now. Hi, Deborah. Good morning, Simi. Now, let me ask you, Deborah. legally, what is a, a big company allowed to do here in BC? Like, how much water can they take? Well, they would need a license. So any non-domestic users now uh, since 2016 need to apply for a water license. And that system has been in place since the late 1800s for surface water use. So you would need to have a water license that's approved by the provincial government. And it really depends on where you're taking water from, how much water is available, and who has come to take water before you. Because our system of priority for water use is not based on the value to our community or to the environment, but based on who got there first and was approved to use water in the way that they um, that they proposed. Okay, so we're not able to say, mm, we have to protect this water source, therefore you can't have that. Well, we can in when the first when the applications are being made. Certainly, the provincial government can deny water licenses, say there's not enough water. But for all of the existing water licenses, they're not able to, in an easy way, 
to pull back the amount of water that's being used unless they make an order to cease taking water. So that's not a long-term solution because those orders have to be made on an annual basis, as we see is happening in places like the Nicola Valley or the Coxila, where, you know, fish habitat and even agricultural uses are really curtailed because of low flows due to climate change and also just not a good sense of actually how much water is coming out of those water sources and for what uses. Okay, and so do we track the amount of water that is taken? Um, and, and, you know, do we, is there any, like, how do we do that? Yeah, so um, we have over, you know, 43,000 water licenses out there and increasingly more now that we're licensing groundwater use. And there are very few license holders who are required to monitor what they take, let alone report it. So certainly BC Hydro and the oil and gas industry in the Northeast have good records and have those as requirements of their permits, but virtually no other water user needs to monitor and report. And so really we're working in a framework that assumed there was a lot of water in British Columbia and we have not yet adapted to an era of climate change and growing water use, uh, certainly in places like Metro Vancouver and other areas where it's now becoming an issue. Right. That feels like that needs to change. Yeah, I mean, it's also a a matter of geography. You know, on just 2% of the British Columbia landscape, over 80% of the people live and over 80% of the farm gate receipts are grown. And so because of that concentration of population, agricultural uses, which is, you know, a big water use and valued in British Columbia, we have to fundamentally reorient the way that we use our water. Do we charge a decent amount to these big companies? Uh, well, it's not just companies, it's sort of anyone. And we do have a great, a graded sort of a, a tiered system of water rentals is what they're called. And, um, you know, as you said before, we charge about $2.25 for a million liters of water for industrial use. So you can just do the math. Is that is that um, an adequate um, I guess, rental for the impact that that use has on watersheds in different places within the province. I mean, I think we, there's a, a fine balance between making sure that water rentals are meaningful and that they go to pay for water conservation, watershed management, watershed planning. And at the same time, we don't want to price uses such as our agricultural industry um, out of the ability to use water um, over the long term. Yeah, so it still sounds like our Water Act has a long way to go. Deborah, thank you so much for explaining that to us this morning. My pleasure. Appreciate that. Deborah Kern is a professor and executive director of the Environmental Law Center at the University of Victoria. She specializes in uh, water rights and, and management issues and especially the law regarding what we can take and not take. And I just learned a lot there about the work that BC still has to do when it comes to monitoring how much of our water is taken. And as I said, in light of what we saw happen in Maui last week, it has become critically important that we do so.